The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. If you found 100 bucks on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep on walking? If you were Keith Butler, you'd keep on walking because you're too dumb to know that money has value that can be exchanged for goods and services. But you're not dumb like Keith Butler, so of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep on picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you are betting on. And if you're betting on the Steelers right now, you are living life on the edge, my friend. But I respect the loyalty because we do the same thing. Now, we're not going to tell you if we're betting on them winning or losing, but I digress. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you can bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. Benedict Arnold mode. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you will multiply your winnings. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code C-H-A-I-R. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid. smile they expect reciprocity when you squander those gifts you can only blame yourself and you should expect divine retribution just as when the battle ebbed toward the ammonites when moses lowered his arms during the conflagration the steelers turned their collective back at the beneficence bestowed upon them in the form of the 49ers clumsiness Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is September 22nd, 2019, a sad day indeed. This is Tom in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, and we are doing this podcast directly after the game. So this will be fraught with emotion and probably not a succinct recap of the game and analysis because, frankly, we're angry, frustrated. Like to say, well, we weren't um, angry until no, your closet I, I, fell apart. Yeah, no, I wasn't that angry because Ben Roethlisberger's out for the season. And let's be real, you guys. The season's done for all intents and purposes of thinking about playoffs or, or doing anything in the playoffs once Ben Roethlisberger went out. And that might sound funny coming from a podcast host whose business relies on people uh, wanting to hear about the Steelers. But just because we might be out of the Super Bowl contention doesn't mean that the season isn't worth watching. There is a ton of stuff to be intrigued about and things to set up for not only next year, but the next few years of Steelers football. So I am uh, very interested in looking at those uh, things, but I'm going in with realistic expectations. And we'll, Mason Rudolph was starting his first game today, and it went about the, the way that first games go. And it was, it was rough sledding for sure. 
and we will get into more of his performance as we go on. But my expectations were set correctly, and this is maybe the first Steelers loss that I haven't uh, been catatonic after in 20 years, maybe? So it's sort of freeing. But it seemed as if the gods realized that I wasn't angry after a Steelers loss. I was ready to come here and break it down for you guys on the podcast. And they smited me because I have a walk-in closet, not because I'm rich, but because it's maybe the largest room in my apartment. I don't know why they designed it that way. But all of my clothes, which I do admit there are many, they hang on like a bar, you know, on the right side of the walk-in closet that goes from the door kind of all the way to the back. I sat down at the chair to do the podcast right now. And as my butt hit the seat, the closet exploded. It collapsed. My cat came running out of there. And I turn around and see that whole bar that has every piece of clothing collapsed. My girlfriend's clothing's in there as well. And there's just a sea. There's basically three hours of work looking at me right here, and I got to wake up at 5.30 in the morning to go to work in the morning. So I wasn't as angry as I usually would be after a Steelers loss, but the gods found some way to get me there. Well, admittedly, I had to watch the game, catch as catch can, and I saw a lot of great playing. I saw a lot, as I mentioned in the intro, I mean, a lot of beneficence from the gods, the ball, the ball hawking. The turnovers were glorious, but it seemed that that was the only player who was hitting on all cylinders during the team was the the turnover guy. Yeah, so let's get into the game here now. We've heard enough closet news. The Steelers became the first team in NFL history to lose a game in which they had they they got four or more turnovers. And when they put that stat on the screen with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter – when the Steelers were up by like three or whatever it was, they said uh, teams with a plus four turnover different, or they said teams with a minus four turnover differential in a game, basically referring to the 49ers who had given the ball away four times. Teams with a minus four uh, turnover differential are zero, 45, and one in these games. And I, and I turned to my buddy and said, I, okay, well, we're setting a record today, it looks like, because they were marching down the field. Hey, I mean, the defense got five turnovers. But let's get this out of the way. Three of those turnovers were quite literally handed to them by the San Francisco 49ers. The first turnover a couple plays into the game was a screen pass to the running back, Matt Breida, who balled with the ball two or three times, and then it just landed right in TJ Watt's chest. He caught it. No big deal. One of the last turnovers the Steelers got was a botched snap. Actually, two of the turnovers they got, I think, were botched snaps where the ball just kind of came right to the guy. So... I think that the number of turnovers was a bit misleading when you look at the performance of the Steelers defense, who was pushed around the entire day. The 49ers, just like the Seahawks, just like the Patriots, had no problem getting the ball down to the 10-yard line whenever they wanted to, and they did whatever they wanted. So I think that the stats are a bit misleading. The Steelers defense was out-schemed just in the way we predicted it would be uh, with Keith Butler going against Kyle Shanahan, again, this comes back to the setting expectations before the game kind of thing. Um, But I'll give you a little silver lining is two of the five turnovers were nice. And miraculously, they're by Minka Fitzpatrick, who none of us 
expected really that he would be able to do anything in the game just coming to the team you know seven days prior you can't expect much out of the guy he had about as good of a debut as you could possibly hope for with the beautiful interception that we've seen the Steelers drop time and time again over the years with Joe Hayden blanketing his man on kind of a deep slant route and then colliding with him uh, colliding with the man and the ball at the catch point the ball shoots up Minka Fitzpatrick is only a couple feet behind the guys and snags the ball out of uh, midair and makes a nice return. And then later on, he he forced a fumble by making a nice hit on the running back. So he's a bright spot. The defensive line, another bright spot. Stefan Tuitt is con- uh, continuing his breakout season, basically, uh, of dominance. And unfortunately, it's coming in these losing efforts. And Cam Hayward went down late in the game. We just got to cross our fingers that he isn't majorly hurt. So those are the two bright spots. Other than that, 49ers offense did whatever they wanted to. You said miraculously and majorly. Well, um, maybe I'm getting a little Antonio Brown to me because I'm so happy that it's not in the NFL anymore. I do want to bring this up, though, real quick. We just talked about the defense, right? We will get into Mason Rudolph's, you know, lackluster performance. It's his first start as an NFL quarterback. Well, you can't expect too much out of him, especially when considering he had no help. It wasn't just Mason. The offensive line has been suspect so far in this season. And today was maybe their worst day of all playing against the very talented San Francisco 49ers front, but they didn't give Mason a lot of time to throw the ball. The receivers weren't getting open. They weren't getting separation and running backs and receivers weren't making plays with the ball in their hands when they had to until the Prince of Pittsburgh Juju uh, made a nice play with that 76 yard touchdown or whatever it was. So I think it's clear what the Steelers do going forward here. Um, there's a receiver on the open market right now. I mean, you're already paying them $21 million this year, and there's just a dearth of playmakers. I think we bring Hannibal Lecter, Osama Bin Laden, back into the fold, and we mix a little drama because the Steelers thrive off drama. We haven't won a single game without these people on our team. Bring the psycho back. Let's do it. Do you want to bring the whole band back? Do you think Le'Veon might be right for picking? Le'Veon is having a terrible time in New York. I think Le'Veon is worth two, you know, three points and a loss to the to the Seahawks, and worth a couple points and a loss to the uh, to the Forty ers especially considering the fourth quarter fumble specialist himself, James Conner, yet another fourth quarter fumble. It is bizarre, man. Whenever he fumbles, it seems to always be the fourth quarter. And we love James Conner as a person and as a player. He's shown some good things this year. The line is not blocking for this guy, and he's trying to make the most out of every yard, but this is a major problem for him, and it looks like right now we are getting a large sample size of his faults. He can't stay healthy, and he fumbles the ball in the fourth quarter, and it's happened a lot of times. So that's tough. We call Lev. He's not going to win another game, by the way, for another four or five weeks because their schedule is brutal while Sam Darnold's out and half their team is out. We get Lev back on the train. We say, hey, Ben's not even going to be here for another year. You can you can ease your way back into the Ben stuff. I think everybody saw that graphic near the end of the game that talked about the fact the Steelers had only four plays that went over five over 10 yards. And I'm looking at the stats now. San Francisco had over 10 plays. Might have been more than 10 plays that oh, went over 20. 10 yards. Yeah, they had 20, 20 total. Oh, because yeah. they only list the top ten right here. Yeah, for sure. That, uh, that's sort of the story of the of the defense. I mean, my gosh, they just 
just slice and dice on the in, in the running game. I mean, hold on, I'm trying to get there. You know the numbers. Yeah. Uh, by the way, guys, I'm joking about the killer bees thing. I'm, I'm, I'm 85.8% joking about the bell and brown thing. 90%. But maybe it would work. I'm just kidding. Who's just the one team that knows how to manage AB? He might have got out, not a, <laughs> gotten away, but I think there's a lesson learned there. <laughs> that's right. Hey, he would help, you know, and that's part of the big problem on offense. There's no playmakers right now. And Juju made a very nice play, but. He's not the kind of guy that you can just rely on a quarter in and quarter out to really make something happen. And the Steelers are going to have to see if these guys can develop. We thought that James Washington would have a big game with Mason Rudolph in there. And, and again, it's his first start. So talk to me in like six weeks and maybe we can let Mason get his sea legs a little bit. But James Washington, a complete non-factor. And it's showing up a little bit. Some of the things that we were worried about when they drafted him, he, he, you know, I still think he can be a very good player, but there are cornerbacks in the league who can man up these slow receivers that the Steelers have. And I know you might be yelling at your in your headphones saying, oh, well, Juju broke another 80-yard touchdown run, and he really does have a knack for finishing those. It's really crazy. But, you know, none of these Steelers scare the opponent with their deep speed. I do think Deontay Johnson took a little bit of a step forward today. He had a couple nice short catches where he made some moves, juke some guys out, got a first down, had a couple nice little reverses, obviously got a touchdown, pretty much uncovered on that touchdown, but still helps to get your sea legs under there. I'd like to see, as much as I love Switzer, I'm pretty much done with Switzer at kick and punt return. I'd like to see Deontay Johnson back there, and let's see how much we can get him involved because on offense, the Steelers are lacking playmakers, and this offensive line has me worried. And I think that the Steelers can really develop over this year to go into next year with a very young team with insane amount of pedigree on defense. You have to fire Keith Butler. This is not an armchair quarterback thing. This was a major blow to the Steelers in the offseason when they did not fire Keith Butler. You know, A.B. going haywire and then leaving the team. Le'Veon leaving the team, which we already knew was going to happen, but it still hurt. Munchak, maybe, you know, A.B. is the worst because obviously you're seeing what happens without Antonio Brown now. But Munchak was probably the second worst thing that happened to the Steelers, losing him. And then not getting rid of Keith Butler is madness. And look, you're seeing what happens. And and sure, maybe Tomlin has part of that, but Tomlin – there's plenty of coaches who have a coordinator who just runs that side of the ball. Like when you talk about like Wink Martindale or you talk about, um, you know, I'm just totally blanking here. Kellen Moore is running the offense in Dallas and you see what's happening when Jason Garrett is taking his hand out of the pot. So anyways, I think that the Steelers can build a lot. And if they get rid of Keith Butler, they have a lot to look forward to going into next year, not to look forward to, too much to next year they can do a lot of stuff this year uh, with that talent they have but honestly uh the offense is lacking game breakers and they need at least one well why don't we just go through sort of in a quick organized fashion and, and break this down starting with mason rudolph so mason was 14 for 27 174 yards two touchdowns one interception uh i you know as i said i everybody probably on the podcast saw a lot more plays than I did, but what I did see was a lot of inaccuracy and maybe he was under pressure, but the plays I saw, he was not, it seemed like those are, those are makeable plays. 
the biggest thing that stood out to me about Mason's debut was how different it looked from his debut against the Seahawks. He was jittery. He looked visibly nervous for sure. And he was throwing the ball a bit early. He was running the ball past the line of scrimmage, maybe a little bit more than he needed to. He did make a couple nice plays doing that, but just didn't look like he was going through his progressions. And part of that is due to the fact that the offensive line let him have so much pressure. But the other thing is like, you're right. I mean, he was inaccurate and his timing was poor. So that caused some, some of the inaccuracy, inaccuracy issues, inaccuracy. Um, yeah. Did not look great. The throw to Juju was fine. was good. It's the one sort of legitimate throw he made the entire game. The throw to Deontay Johnson. I think that's going to help his confidence a lot, but obviously uncovered pretty rough. I've seen rougher debuts from a NFL quarterback, but we got to remember people get their hopes up for these guys. That's his first start ever. So on the road, West coast, it was tough. I give him credit for hanging in there. Nothing impressive though. So we talked about James Conner and yeah, that was classic, man. That James giveth and James giveth away. And that was, doesn't even look like a a particularly difficult play that he lost that ball on, but he was, 13 attempts for 43 yards along with 10. And they had a Benny Snell got time in there, which was surprising. Was I guess so. And everything. Yeah, develop these young guys in the Benless year. And I think that that's a good strategy. I don't necessarily need to see more Benny Snell. I don't think the struggles of the running game are on James Conner. I think it's on the offensive line. Every time he touches the ball, he's surrounded. He's trying, he's not Le'Veon Bell. Okay. But. He's make, he, it's clear that he's the most explosive out of the three running backs. I don't even think Samuel's got a carry. Well, that's what I was uh, going to ask you. He's not even listed here as having a carry. Where was he? Time. And he's not listed, no not injured? I know people are excited about Jalen Samuels, and I like Jalen Samuels too, but I, I don't – you know, besides the fourth quarter fumble thing, I don't know how you can say like, oh, Connor's not getting it done. Put in Samuels, who's no, not as no, fast no, it's or just like, like, Aren't you just surprised just that Snell guy. was in there? But I was yeah, just surprised to see Snell, that's all. And not one carry from Samuels. I think that the Steelers are just enamored with getting these rookies going. They decided to start Deontay. They just started, you know, obviously Minka and Minka's a second-year guy, but he's new for them, Bush on the defense. And maybe they just thought, you know, Snell had a good carry last week. Let's see what we can do with this guy. He's a bell cow kind of guy. But for anybody out there thinking Jalen Samuel is going to solve the running game, that, no. The offensive line needs to solve this running game. And what I was saying earlier about – watching the Steelers improve over the course of the season. What I'm nervous about is they do, if they do improve over the course of the season and then you turn around next year, this is a little too forward thinking, but it's on my mind. You turn around next year and you take for granted that every year we're going in there with a great offensive line. Well, they might've gotten a little bit older kind of right under our noses and without Munchak, there's not that list of guys just, in the cupboard ready to pop up to become a starter next. And uh, yeah, maybe you, you improve the team and Ben comes back and and we did get some news today, by the way, about Ben that he didn't need Tommy John surgery and the surgery that he needed was to repair a torn ligament. So he's actually going to be able to start throwing in the spring, which is awesome news uh, because uh, the Tommy John and some of the other surgeries that were hypothesized were, you know, that can be 12 to 14 months. So that was a good piece of news for him, but if you got a 38-year-old quarterback, they need a good offensive line, and, and they're not looking good right now, and I hope that they're not getting old right under our nose, and I hope that Sean Surrett can have some level of uh, success developing these guys like Munchak did 
because this run game, the fumble is the big F. Just the inability to make something magical happen is also the issue. Like, I don't think there was anything there, but it's tough when you don't have a single person on the offense who can make something out of nothing like Ben, AB, and Le'Veon did, and you're seeing what that looks like now. Good way to put it because uh, if we move to receiving, Juju, Juju had 81 yards. But other than that 76-yard touchdown pass, he had five yards, three for seven receptions, three tar- seven, seven targets, yeah, three receptions for 81 yards, all of that on that touchdown play. I mean, he was shut down. Yeah, you're, we're going to need to see the all 22, honestly, to get a feel for is he open, is he not open, are the – is the team doing enough like what they did? And, and by the way, if anyone's getting tired of hearing us talk about AB or Le'Veon, like, listen, it's a big deal. This team has been structured off of that for the past few years. The whole offensive structure of the Pittsburgh Steelers was basically generated around moving number 84 around the formation and into different places where they could get him the ball. And then at times it was uh, just, being able to feed Le'Veon Bell on a lot of these counter run plays with your agile offensive line and getting out onto the corners and and that type of way. And then the other part of the offense was just letting Ben do magic and extend plays. You have none of those things right now. And it's hard to figure that out in three weeks playing against three good potentially playoff NFL teams. So you do need to talk about those things because they need to be replaced or things need to be changed. So, I, I would like to see the All-22 to see how much they are doing to generate catches for Juju the same way that they did for Antonio Brown. Okay, so we shall continue. I mean, um, once again, Vance. We kind of talked about the offensive Vance, line already, right? Well, we did talk about the offensive line. Ineffective and look at the running game, a total of 79 yards. and But I'm just mystified by Vance. And, I mean, Vance, did he play at the end of the game? He got hurt. Yeah, so you were kind of popping in and out for the first half, and then uh, by the time I don't think he played in the second half. So I'm well. You have no. There are no tight ends playing in the uh, in the receiving game. I mean, and Vance had two targets. Xavier had two targets. So now you're even more neutered than you were before. So yeah, it's just scary. I think you put it well when you said there are no no game changers on this roster mm-hmm. right now. I mean, Juju, yeah. you, you, people assumed that he would, but he's obviously been shut down. Right. And Juju's a, around that level. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that, that touchdown was fantastic. That, that was an elite play, but you know, he doesn't have a lot to work around. him. when we have a, a basically a rookie quarterback and a line that's not performing great and no one else around you, then, you know, the only people that can make a real difference there are the Saquon Barkley, Odell, AB type players. And they don't have, that right now so there's just too much going against them with the tight ends hey everybody in Steelers Nation knew that this was going to be an issue going into the year but it's a bigger issue and you and I we're like all the Steelers fans we love Vance McDonald when Vance is good he looks like wow if you could keep this up you could legitimately be one of the you know five or six best tight ends in the whole league but I think you and I called it a little bit this summer he's shown that he's not that uh, or at least not that on a consistent level. He has flashes of that, but whether it's the constant injuries or I don't know, some lack of focus or maybe the coordinators aren't dialing him up enough. I don't know what it is, but he is not that guy that's going to be consistent. And, it, and I don't know if he was hurt, but I didn't see him in the second half. So I have to assume he was hurt. And obviously Grimble and Gentry don't offer 
you anything. So yeah, tight end is right. negligible for the Steelers. All right, turning over to the defensive statistics, we we talked about this. They they, they were not they were San Francisco was just getting these chunk plays. There were some really fun plays for us to watch. Uh, TJ had one. How many fumble recoveries? At least two, I think. No, I we, think we uh, Devin Bush. He had an interception. So Devin Bush had two fumble recoveries. TJ had one at the near at the end of the game. Here, listen to who defended passes. There were there were four passes defended on the defense. Two by TJ. One by Bud. And one by um, Fitzpatrick. So nothing by other than Fitzpatrick. None of none of the veteran guys who have been on the Steelers defended a pass. Well, Hayden on the Micah Fitzpatrick interception. Like I don't know if Hayden got his finger on the ball, but he did a great job of attacking the catch point that resulted in an interception. That was really a great play by Hayden that caused that. So maybe it didn't show up on the stat sheet. But. All right. Well, one sack. Your guy to it. I mean, we agree that to it's having Amazing. a having a banner year. Yeah, all for nothing. So man, you know who? Okay, so let's go to the defensive line. The defensive line is excellent. Hargrave, I know that everyone in Steelers Nation assumes it's a foregone conclusion that he is gone after this year because there are going to be some high bidders and free agency for this guy. He's young, but I'm still holding out a little bit of hope because all of last year we all assumed Ramon Foster is gone, hundred percent. Ramon's gone, and they went ahead and they signed him. And maybe you could say part of that's because he's he's really old. Uh, so he doesn't have the market appeal that Hargrave has. And they ended up releasing Gilbert, which was, I wouldn't say surprising, but somewhat surprising that they released Gilbert without doing Foster. So I'm holding out some hope on Hargrave because, man, that guy can just push the pocket. Hargrave to it and Hayward, all excellent. Alulu had a couple good snaps. Again, we haven't like watched the game film of this yet, um, but it was pretty apparent uh, that these guys are pushing people around and it's kind of all for nothing. And look, with the Steelers offense, it's been the story the whole year. Uh, the defense is on the field for, you know, eight plays at a time and the Steelers offense goes three and out and then you're back on the field and it's September and you're in California and it's hot and it's sunny out there and they just got worn down by the end of the game. And and any team is going to get worn down when your offense is going three and out like that. There was a stat for the 49ers. The Steelers forced a uh, three and out at one point during the game, it was the 49ers first three and out of the entire season. The Steelers have only had like four drives that haven't been three and outs this entire season. And and the 49ers don't have one star. Well, George Kittle, he's amazing. But outside of Kittle, they don't have any star on their offense. That shows you how important coaching is. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he did not look good. He hung in there, but... I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer in, in, in San Francisco. And they sort of su- succeed in spite of him at times, in my opinion. But it shows you how Kyle Shanahan can make people look good. And, uh, yeah, defensive line looked great, but they got tired out. And fingers crossed for Hayward because that would be a huge blow to a Steelers team. They would go from bad to horrible. And you might be a four-wing team right of them. Well, I don't know what you think about um, – we could talk about linebackers. I'm just looking at the possession, and the Steelers had four four possessions out of 13 that went into double five, – uh, five possessions that went into double-digit yardage. And, man, San Francisco, just uh, almost five. every one went into double, double yardage. You know what's funny? I saw a lot of missed tackling. I mean, you know what? During that fourth quarter when I actually got to sit down and just watch the game, it just seemed 
like the plays look on the field like they were drawn up. Offensive line was blowing up major holes, and the Steelers just couldn't hold back. And I know that you know maybe the defense was tired, et cetera. But man, that that was devastating. Yeah, you. Uh, in their defense, the first half was was pretty different. They definitely got worn down. I mean, it's funny. I love how you say uh, double digit yardage, which all that implies is you got one first down, which is a really awesome way of putting that. <laughs> the Steelers only on all of their drives except for five, failed to get even one first down. They couldn't even get 10 yards. So just imagine what that's like. And and when James Conner fumbled, the Steelers' defense had just been on the field for like 10 to 12 plays. The Niners marched all the way down the field, if I remember correctly, and they were at like the 10-yard line, and then they fumbled that snap when the center snapped it into the shoulder of the receiver who was going in motion. TJ Watt recovered the fumble, and I told you, I said, okay, the Steelers right now, they're up by three. We just need two first downs. I didn't even say we need a touchdown. We just need two first downs so that the defense can get a little bit of a rest. And what do they do? James Conner fumbles on the second play. You don't even get the rest of a three and out. You don't even get the rest of the punt followed by the commercial timeout. Like you did literally the worst. I guess they lasted one play longer than they could. But Conner fumbles it, and the, the defense doesn't even get it to sit through a TV timeout. And, of course, they're going to get the ball running on the throat. It's basically like an 18-play drive at the end of the game after you've been traveling to the West coast. So the Steelers coaching is bad. The players are bad. We were talking about the linebackers here. When you talk about the outside linebackers, uh, TJ made some plays, Bud did some plays, of course, on some stunts. He was playing against a rookie left tackle. We all knew that would be a complete non-factor because Bud Dupree seems to always draw these rookie left tackles and never is able to take advantage of it. The Steelers' defense never seems to be able to uh, flip-flop TJ over to that side and maybe take advantage of that stuff either. That's all par for the course. We could see that happening from a mile away. Um, But, uh, you know, Mark Barron, he's brutal in coverage and uh, missed a couple tackles as well. Bush, all over the field. No crazy playmaking abilities, but uh, you can definitely tell his speed. And he had a couple times where he covered Kittle on short routes, but uh, you can definitely tell the difference between him and other outside and inside linebackers in the NFL. Well, I just uh, saw the saw the numbers. San Francisco had the ball for thirty six minutes to the Steelers twenty three. I don't I don't remember seeing that differential. Is that I bad? just don't remember ever seeing that much of a differential. I don't think that's good. Do you remember that? Not off the top of my head. I feel like uh, in the early Todd Haley years, you remember when we would talk about the Steelers would absolutely dominate in the time of possession, but they were so bad in the red zone that they would lose the game or only win it by a little bit. That's that's the first thing it brings to mind. But uh, that I guess that's kind of what San Francisco did today. Sure. I just uh, don't remember that. Do you remember the days when you were ready to go? Do you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed? Well, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach, on an empty stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit... And this... Yes, this is awkward with my son on the other side of the uh, the podcast. 
If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence when it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door with a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness like this podcast. They're made in the U.S. of America, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. So right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, armchair, one word, armchair. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that is B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code armchair, and try for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring this August podcast. And that's nature, baby. And I'm putting my money on Blue Chew. The Blue Chew works because I've heard good things. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. And when I put my money on it, I'm putting my money on my bookie, of course. Now, listen, guys. My bookie, it's fast. It's easy. And they pay you when you win. I'm going to give you a hint. You should probably just bet on the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Patriots for the rest of the year. And bet on the Dolphins losing. Whatever the spread is, don't worry. Just take it. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. And when I say they, I do not mean the Dolphins because they are clearly not the best. Unless you're talking about losing, in which that case, yes, they're the best. They're the best at losing. I'm talking about my bookie. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this season, bet with my bookie. You can bet on games after kickoff. You can flip-flop your bets at halftime. You can bet parlay. You can string together a couple different games. And if all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. That's just math, baby. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. If you put a million in, that's right, two mil right off the bat. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code C-H-A-I-R. Visit mybookie.ag online today. You play, you win, you get paid. We could turn our attention to special teams for a second because I just continue good news that he's not in the news is Chris Boswell field goals of 46 and 26 yards and made the extra points. I'm going to give you guys another spin zone here. The lack of pressure on the season maybe is exactly what Chris Boswell needs to sort of ease himself back into stardom under the radar. There honestly isn't as much pressure on these games and he can just be good. And so that by the time the Steelers get towards the end of the season, we're going to want to see these improvements. We're going to want to see, hey, by the end of the season, this team is rolling. Can you imagine what they're going to do going into next year? That is exciting, man. I mean, look at the age of the people on the team. Yes, I worry about the offensive line age, but wow, the pedigree on defense. And at least those guys took the ball away. It was TJ and Bush and Minka who had all the takeaways, it seemed like. So that's a that's a positive thing to look forward to. But um, I just told I totally lost my train of thought. All I know is that Chris – oh, it was Chris Boswell. Yeah, yeah he's doing was, well. Yeah, and I was going to ask whether you think Jordan Barry's going to wear out with his six punts. He had six punts for <laughs> 314 <laughs> yards, another number I haven't seen in forever with for an average of 52. So he's doing well. He actually did have a decent game. It was unfortunate that that one bounced kind of right on the goal line and they weren't able to pin the 49ers within the 10. But other than that, yeah, he's pretty decent. Uh, I do want to see Deontay Johnson over Switzer. I think we've seen everything we need to see of Switzer. So hopefully they give him a little bit more burn 
at uh, punt returner and kick returner. And uh, other than that, the, the kick coverage was actually pretty good because on those six punts, that dude, number 13 for the 49ers, had a lot of opportunity to try and make something happen. And it seems like the Steelers were pretty decent at corralling him. Um, but again, just, you know, nothing to write home about. It's a disappointing loss. But I will tell you guys this. I know it's the 49ers and they haven't been good for a while kind of since the Kaepernick days in the Super Bowl but this is a good team and and they're 3 and 0 and they deserve to be that way and like we said before this game the matchup for the Steelers against the 49ers especially traveling to the west coast and having to play in San Francisco where now Mike Tomlin is 1 in 6 on west coast trips and just a, a, a half of an inch of a Le'Veon Bell wildcat last second touchdown away from being 0 in 7 on west coast trips the matchup for the Steelers versus the 49ers, it'd be bad even if they had been. And now we look at this game and say, well, if they had been, they, they probably would have won. But it wasn't going to be a cakewalk by any means. So Steelers have the Bengals. Wow. Both teams 0-3. That's must-see television next week. But I actually am very – I am intrigued in that game. I think the Steelers can win, and I would love to watch them win for the first time in almost a year. And they definitely have a good shot, but it will be a tough game because the Steelers are an embarrassing 0-3 because they pretty much beat themselves today. They obviously beat themselves against the Seahawks. Got a little screwed with that pass interference call and then the, uh, the special teams um, – penalty last week where Dan McCullers hit the center and the, and the Seahawks were able to turn a field goal into a touchdown. But, you know, they're not the same 0-3 that the Dolphins are. They should have won this game. They should have won the last game. And the, the Bengals, they're the same way. They've been right in every single game and, well, not the 49ers game. And, uh, yeah, I, I do actually look forward to that. And, and man, <laughs> the Steelers have to get in the win column next week against the Bengals. And I know people are going to be talking a lot of trash if the Steelers end up with the top 10 draft pick, and there's certainly a chance of that. Um, but, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick is worth a top 10 draft pick. And I saw someone tweet today, I'm going to be mad if the Steelers end up with the top 10 pick because Minka was pick 11, so it shows that it wasn't worth it. I was like, what? well, just because he got picked at number 11 doesn't mean he was definitively not worth a top 10 pick. There's other quarterbacks who get pushed up into the top 10 who don't deserve to go there, but since they're quarterbacks, they go there. And Derwin James, the rookie of the year, well, I guess it was Darius Leonard. Was Darius Leonard was like undrafted or a late-round guy. Uh, Derwin James goes 16. Minka is a top 10 prospect type of guy. So, you know, will it be frustrating seeing the uh, the um, – Dolphins drafting at number five, if that's where the Steelers draft, because you're going to see, oh, look who we could have had. You know, it's the new shiny toys as a rookie, or whether it's one of those Alabama receivers, one of those playmakers we're talking about. Yeah, that'll be frustrating. But if Minka has a really good season, then he's worth that type of pick. But next week, this is the Steelers' best chance to get on the winning board. Well, they're not a playmaker until they make plays in the NFL. You know what I'm looking forward to next week? I'm looking forward to seeing. 49-year-old Frank Gore run the ball. Hmm. He's in the 15th season, and he had 76 yards today. But he plays for Buffalo, so we're not going to see him next oh. week. But we can we can tune into the <laughs> Buffalo game if you'd like. I'm going to mark this down. 40 minutes <laughs> at 56. I'm looking at the box store scores, and uh, <laughs> I still look at Frank Gore. It's just I just love Frank Gore. What funny thing. You never hear of him. He just keeps chunking out yardage. Okay. I know people are saying he's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but I totally 
I totally disagree with that. I think he was a really good running back, but I think the I reason just why mean so his durability. The that's what I'm saying. People want to say he's in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, listen, he was a really good back, but he's played for 20 years. You're going <laughs> to accumulate the Buffalo. large age. Yeah. <laughs> you really need he another play- partner on the broadcast booth. <laughs> that's good stuff. We, they, they were playing against the Bengals. I'm like the Joe Biden of football podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a rough one recently. All right. Well, I am looking forward to next week's game, as I will every week. And I, I'm not going to make any false promises that I'll stop watching. I mean, what else do I have yeah, on these on. sunshiny days outside in your nation's capital? We're going to watch Mason Rudolph evading six foot six to Forrest Buckner, who comes through unblocked. Hey, look, yeah, we'll he, the, the, the scariest thing is not his dilettantes. And, you know, he's, he's a beginner. Right. It's, the, it's the offensive line not protecting him. It's it our, our wide receivers not getting open. Yeah, that's the scary part. You you would sort of hope he could. I, I was hoping he'd be a game manager, handing off the ball. Connor just doing his four point two yards a carry, hitting James. You know, James Washington coming into his own. But you know, when those facets of the game, I mean, it really does for me now come down to the offensive line. What is going on there? Well, the thing is with Mason Rudolph, it's like. Which, what you're implying is like it's his first game he can improve but with the offensive line of course they'll improve over the course of the season but these guys are veterans and with the playmakers it's like you said like they're not going to appear out of nowhere although i do have a lot of hope for deontay johnson because he's a rookie as well but um yeah i mean the days are gone with the quarterbacks when you can just hand off and rely on, on a james connor or a willie parker or whoever it is but it's also easier to pass now so there is like a modern version of the game manager I frankly was very surprised with the game plan and maybe that's my fault because this coaching staff, I mean, it's an F so far for, okay, maybe not an F. I think it's easier to say than F, but it's in the D plus C minus range for their strategy. I was convinced they would let him open it up. That's his strength is, is play action and going deep. And it took them a while to let him, let him do it. So Hopefully they let him take some more shots next week. But I agree with you. It is a little bit alarming that these veteran presences aren't playing up to snuff because with the rook- basically the rookie quarterback, we can excuse it a little bit. Do you think that the Steelers did what Eric Davis in our last podcast, please listen to that, was recommending sort of run at speed well, and we just I'd were unsuccessful? To, I'd have to look – no, they, 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 I don't know, man. I, I think that the offensive line is legitimately bad right now. Like none of the, there, there aren't holes. I'm not seeing holes. I I'm seeing James Conner actually have to break a tackle in the backfield just to, to make the yardage. And I do think that there are a couple transcendent talents in the NFL, who of course could do a better job, but I don't think this is like watching Jonathan Dwyer back there, you know, who couldn't do anything or Rashad Mendenhall at times or, if you have Benny Snell in there the whole game, I think it would look even even worse. No offense to Benny. You know, he's a rookie. He's just not there yet athletically. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That play might have gone out the window because the personnel wasn't unable to accomplish that running straight at the defense. All right. I know you have a lot of uh, restructuring and some construction work to do tonight. So, Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at Gmail. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. 
Ok, bye bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.